Okay, so we are continuing raising questions on our superficial understanding of that portion of Zohar called Raya Mehemna. And seemingly in the Raya Mehemna, it was saying that there are the scholars that learn Zohar, that learn Kabbalah, and there's the ignorant masses that don't taste from the tree of life, from Zohar, and they're just tasting from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which spiritually means from the level of spirituality we call Klippa Snoiga, this admixture of good and evil, and how those scholars that learn the Kabbalah, even though now they're being sustained by the illiterate masses, by the unlearned masses, in the times of Mashiach, they will be the ones that will reign, that will rise supreme. And all those people that never tasted the tree of life, that never tasted the teachings of Kabbalah, of the Zohar, the esoteric teachings, they basically won't have much of a different life between now and Mashiach. They won't be subjugated to the nations, but they'll still be under the tree of knowledge of good and evil, this admixture of good and evil, with all the restrictions of what's permissible and what's forbidden and what's kosher and what's not and such restrictions. And the Rebbe says that this is very, very hard to understand. Yesterday we raised a number of queries on it, a number of questions on it. The two main ones were, how in the world could we say that a portion of Torah is called the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Meaning, what it seems to be saying in the Raya Mehemna is all the laws of Taira, the bulk of Talmud, the bulk of Gemara, the bulk of Mishnah, the bulk of Jewish law, all of Jewish law actually, is, is the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is not pure godliness, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's Klipas Naiga. It's this admixture of good and evil. So how can we say any part of Taira is an admixture of good and evil? It's Klipas Naiga. All of Taira is godliness. All of Taira is a tree of life. That was one major question we raised yesterday. And the second one, based on what this section of Zohar, the Raya Mehemna is saying, it would seem that the study of what's forbidden and permissible does not supersede the obligation to pray. Because prayer is according to the secrets of the mystical, the esoteric knowledge of Kabbalah of the Zohar. And the laws, well, we're saying that's only Klipas Naiga. That's an admixture of good and evil. But we actually see throughout the Talmud, it's very clear, that those scholars that are only studying the Talmud, that are only studying the laws of what's permissible and forbidden, even they're only studying monetary laws, civil laws, that study of law supersedes prayer. And such scholars who learn Torah day and night, but they're only learning the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they're only learning this Klippas Naga, admixture of good and evil, they prayed once in 30 days. So how did their learning supersede prayer when prayer is clearly Kabbalistic and esoteric? Those were the two major problems we raised yesterday on understanding this. Now we're going to continue for the entire today raising more questions. Tomorrow, God willing, we'll give the answer. Another major question is the Raya Mahemna, the Zohar seems to be saying that in the days of Mashiach, people won't need to know the laws what's pure, what's impure, what's forbidden, what's permissible. But how is that possible? There's so many things we'll be doing that we need to know the laws. 
the Rebbe goes into the concept of slaughtering. We're going to have sacrifices. We're going to have to slaughter them. Well, there are many, many, many laws of what disqualifies the slaughtering, what disqualifies the knife. Are we going to be born knowing how to slaughter without ever doing anything wrong? Are knives going to always remain perfect and unblemished? Well, that doesn't make sense. So obviously we're going to need to know these laws that govern ritual slaughter because we're going to be offering sacrifices. And there are so many laws, so many laws about the sacrifices, with the fat, with the blood, with all the other prohibitions. People need to know the laws regarding the impurity of a corpse. It says a young man will die at the age of 100. If there's death, we need to know the laws. People will know to need the laws governing the impurity of a woman who gave birth. Right? It says women will give birth, even women will give birth every day. So these women are giving birth, well, there's laws. And and we need to know them. And those laws are not going to change. And whatever impurity a woman has from childbirth, that's not going to change. And if the women are conceiving and giving birth, then one day we need to know the laws. So obviously, all of these laws will apply in the times of Mashiach. So obviously, we'll need to know all of these laws. We'll need to know the laws of what's permissible, what's forbidden, what's pure, and what's impure. Now we see in the Talmud, there's so many times when the Talmud references laws as stating a law that we're going to know at the times of the Messiah, that we don't need to know it now, but by the times of Messiah, we're going to need to know this law. There's so many times where we say, Elijah will come and expound it, so we'll know it by the times of the Messiah. So all of these details are supporting one major question. The piece of Zohar, right, Mahemna, that we quoted in the beginning of this chapter seemingly implies that the scholars of Kabbalah, the esoteric wisdom, they won't need to know these laws. They, they've got nothing to do with them. Ah, you know, the illiterate common masses, the ones that never tasted the tree of life, Kabbalah, the esoteric wisdom, they need to know permissible, forbidden, yes, no, impure, pure. But the, the scholars of Kabbalah, those that study the esoteric wisdom, they don't need to know any of this by Mashiach. Well, obviously, that's not true. Obviously, they need to know all these laws. The same way a common person needs to know this, how much more so a scholar needs to know these laws. That's the first question with all this detail that we raised today. The second question is, in the Zohar, in the Raya Mahemun that we read, it says that by the times of the Mashiach, the Torah scholars will no longer be sustained by the illiterate people or by the mixed multitude, which is implying that until the time of Mashiach, these scholars, these scholars of Kabbalah, these scholars of the esoteric wisdoms, they didn't have anything of their own. They were compared to the Shabbos, the holiday. They were being supported by the masses who didn't know the laws but supported them. And that's, of course, an uncomfortable situation. And by the times of Messiah, these scholars would no longer need to be supported by the masses. But practically speaking, that's not true. If we look historically, even during the time of the Second Temple, the scholars were not supported by the masses. That's actually, they didn't do that at all. The scholars had fields. The scholars had vineyards. Scholars worked. If we looked in the times of the Temple, if we looked in the times of the Talmud, if we look historically, the greatest scholars all worked. Yes, they, they studied the laws. But at this end, they studied esoteric wisdoms, and they worked. So this concept of saying the scholars don't need to be sustained by the illiterate, 
that has nothing to do with them studying the laws of permissible and forbidden. The scholars were not sustained by the illiterate. They worked to earn their living, and they studied the esoteric wisdom, and they studied all the laws of what's permissible and forbidden. So it has nothing to do with them being sustained by others. They weren't. So what did that mean? And why seemingly are we linking that and implying that the scholars were sustained by the masses and that's why then they needed to know the laws, but by the time of the Messiah, they won't be sustained by the masses, so they won't need to know the laws. They did know the laws and they were not sustained by the masses. And by the times of Mashiach, they won't be sustained by the masses and they'll still know the laws. So we've come now to the conclusion of all of these questions that we've raised on this piece of Kabbalah of which we've raised four major questions with many, many, many details. Starting tomorrow, the Rebbe will say that if we carefully read that passage, we'll understand that we completely misunderstood it. It actually is teaching us a very deep and powerful lesson about our life nowadays and the days of Mashiach.